WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 111. Oh my god, it's our 111st episode! Hello, and welcome to episode 111, All About the Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, Part 3. Being the 111st part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by Danny Chapman of Fangasm. Welcome, Danny. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Thank you so much for for coming on. Listeners can't see. I will post a screenshot. Danny is in the Hobbit mood. He's got a he's got his handkerchief and his uh, background is I think that's Rivendell. Um, of course. And he's all dressed up. <laughs> Um, I have two co-hosts on Fangasm, Allie and Lindsay, who are incredible, and uh, they will be laughing because they do everything around the podcast and I'm in a costume. So we're we're, um, consistent, if nothing else. I love the enthusiasm just right off the bat. And your email to me uh, tonight before we sat down for our recording was so enthusiastic. And uh, I think we're going to have a good time, especially because these movies... Well, I don't want to... I have already felt myself getting negative. This is only the third episode that I'm doing so far of these movies, and I can already feel feel myself going too negative. And even though they're not too great, I'm trying to stay upbeat and positive. And I think you will bring a lot of that energy to this episode. What I was noting is, you know, as I understand it, part of what you've been doing is guiding people through Tolkien's world as somebody who was new yourself. And so, you know, making making it comfortable for your audience. And in our emails, you made it very comfortable for me as somebody who obviously is in like part of pop culture. I've been alive. So I have experienced um, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, but I have not gone as deep. So um, anyway, you made me feel very comfortable as a as a co-guest. And um, I have uh, three promises that I was going to bring into this episode. One is that I, I will not argue with you about any pronunciation. Um, you <laughs> know it and I don't. And so I hope everyone will give me grace. Uh, I, I won't be that negative about the movies because I don't know any better. And I have a, a simple mind that likes colors. And so I understand that the frame rate really was a sticking point for people, but I'm dressed as a hobbit right now. So I don't really care about what things look like. Uh, and <laughs> although my podcast, Fangasm, is an erotic podcast, I will keep this as PG-13 as possible. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, so you already touched on it. Uh, you already mentioned that briefly, but tell me a bit about how you came to know Lord of the Rings or, or any of these things. How did you experience the, the either the movies, the books, whatever it is? Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm, I, it was definitely assigned to me in school. So I read it or, you know, I think it was um, I read it when I was supposed to. And then, you know, I think I've seen I've seen the movies as they came out, but um more more random so i probably went with like kind of a random group of friends as they came out um i do have a few moments like i went to camp as a camper and one of the um one of the cabins was named rivendell and so whenever we would pass it we would all go rivendell and do this kind of nerdy <laughs> thing and uh i actually did get a little bit of help because one of my dear friends uh stephanie and nick um are extreme fans of of this. And so when I told them that I was going to be on within minutes, they had the portion that we're about to talk about on. 
and they were live stream texting me everything. And uh, for Stephanie's dad's birthday, uh, we made him Lord of the Rings stuff, but we made um, t-shirts and we messed up the quote. And so the t-shirts just said, what about breakfast? <laughs> and like, I think that's <laughs> even more hilarious. <laughs> what about <laughs> breakfast? So now we joke. I'm like, well, what about lunch? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, so that, that I've given you my major touch points with um, this series. Oh man! Um, well, uh, I reached out. I reached out to Fangasm because y'all have been covering a lot. Of, first of all, you're very, you know, into the fandom creation part of fandoms, and you're covering a lot of the really big fandoms. Um, and you started out with Harry with Harry Potter, right? That's correct. Yeah, we uh, have a podcast formerly known as because. Apparently, studios don't love when you only talk about them. So since um, breaking out of the, the wonderful wizarding world, we've done Star Wars. We've done The Office, which is a different kind of fandom. Um, right now, we're doing Marvel. So um, making our way through. Uh, and I, you know, I hope eventually we can, we can end up in Tolkien's land. I looked up some of the ships because my favorite part is the, the ship names of you know what they call yeah. the different pairings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw that one of the most popular is is Bilbo and Thorin, uh, who got yes. the, the portmanteau uh, bag and shield or Thilbo. And I'm just surprised they didn't go with Boren, but I guess I can understand why. That sounds boring. Sounds too boring. I guess. Yeah. 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 Yes. I ha- I don't think we've. Ta- I don't think I've talked yet um, in the movies about there is this very heavy ship in the fandom of Thorin and Bilbo. And up to this point in the movie, I don't see it. No. <laughs> they don't, you know, they barely speak. And when they do, it's Thorin being like, you're useless. Why did you come here? I sure. wish you were not here and not existing. And it's like, that's a fun relationship. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't you. know why people ship it. I much, I much more see Sam and Frodo. That one makes a lot more sense to me. Or even Gandalf and Galadriel. Yeah, that's something that we'll have to we'll have to touch on. I'm not sure what they were going for, but I'm glad I'm not the only person that saw that and was like, "What what's happening here?" Yeah. I took <laughs> notes before before I had watched and I and my first set of notes is from you from you listening to your uh first episode of the rewatch that that Thorin is hot and Killian Killian Feely are hot. Yeah. So that's the type of notes that I've taken. Awesome. Great. <laughs> It's time for our favorite hot elves with a flair for the dramatics to appear in our story. Totally throwing away the part of the book where Elrond happily assists the dwarves on their mission and then they spend a solid two weeks Jay chilling in Rivendell, the dwarves reluctantly accept their help and make the horrifying discovery that the elves are vegans, just adding more fuel to the fire. For some reason that I don't think will ever become clear to me, Gandalf and Thorin hide the true meaning for their quest from Elrond, who deciphers the hidden moon runes on the map because it just so happens to be the exact moon phase at the exact moment that they need to read it. Learning from the message that the last light of Dorin Day will reveal the hidden door to the Lonely Mountain, Elrond realizes that the dwarves are trying to take back Erebor and defeat Smaug, which he does not recommend for whatever reason is never fully explained. Like seriously, what does it matter to the elves if the dwarves are trying to take back their homeland and treasure? We're over 90 minutes in, and so far the only women we've seen are serving or entertaining the dwarves at dinner. So it's about time Galadriel made her dramatic entrance. Wait a minute, Galadriel, what are you doing here? You're not in the book. Elrond and Galadriel lead Gandalf to discuss these matters when, (gasps) Saruman, what are you doing here? Seriously, what are y'all doing here? Tolkien hasn't even written you yet. 
Gandalf shares the troubling news that the blade of the Witch King who was dead and buried has reappeared and that darkness is growing in the form of someone called the Necromancer. Saruman's got a gaslight gatekeep girl boss and finds a way to dismiss everything Gandalf said, and we can definitely trust Saruman. He for sure knows what he's doing when it comes to battling the growing threat of Sauron. But it turns out all of this was a distraction so the dwarves could get away. Which, like, again, why the need for the secrecy? Galadriel tells Gandalf this quest for the dwarves is noble and encourages him to rejoin them, but asks him why he chose Bilbo. Because, girl, I've been wondering the same thing ever since I read the first chapter of The Hobbit. Anyway, Gandalf gives a sweet little speech about the power of small things against darkness, blah blah blah, and then Galadriel becomes a boy in an indie rom-com by tucking a piece of his hair behind his ear and then straight up disappearing. Elves, man. You don't have to be dramatic and mysterious all the time. I know we're all missing it, so we finally get our trademark Peter Jackson beautiful New Zealand scenery traveling montage. Eventually, the company find themselves in the middle of a thunder battle between stone giants, and it's actually a delightful part of the movie. Until Thorin ruins it all and is unnecessarily mean to Bilbo. Finally gathering enough sense, Bilbo tries to sneak away in the middle of the night when everyone is sleeping, and Floppy Hat Dwarf, I mean Bofur, hey guys, we learned the name of one of the background dwarfs. Anyway, Bofur tries to stop him, but when Bilbo kind of rubs it in his face that he has a home and a place he belongs. He lets him go and wishes him luck on his long journey back through the beautiful New Zealand scenery traveling montage back to Rivendell. But suddenly Bilbo's sword glows blue and the ground opens up to trap them all underground in Goblin Town. Except for the ponies. There are no ponies in sight and therefore no unnecessary pony death. Bilbo is able to slip away as the dwarves get shuffled to the Goblin King but falls over a cliff and is separated from them. I'm sure nothing too crazy happens to him. The Goblin King recognizes Thorin and reveals that there is a price on his head. Do goblins and orcs even have a currency? Like, what's the price? How does that economic system work? And Azog is looking for him because <gasps> Azog isn't dead. Except for he's actually very dead in the books. Well, jumping into this segment of an unexpected journey, uh, the dwarves and Gandalf and Bilbo have just finished running off from some wargs and orcs that were attacking them, and Gandalf kind of tricked them into getting to Rivendell, um, because obviously the dwarves, particularly Thorin, has this mad beef against the, the elves, um, but it's pretty unfounded, be especially because these are, this is Rivendell, and the dwarves the elves that wronged them are the wood elves in a totally different location. Not all elves are the same. <laughs> so yeah, I thought so too up until kind of like recently, a recent read. Um, there was a, a chapter in The Hobbit where we get to see the wood elves and they're a lot more like hardcore, like metal not so much in the movies, but like in the original like lore, oh. the the wood elves are like kind of the like dumb jocks or whatever compared to the the high elves, which is what Elrond is and Galadriel. It, these elves that were with in this segment in Rivendell are much more like, uh, you know, higher up, like and brainy higher cheerleaders. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Guys. And they're all in, you know, but it doesn't matter because they're all hot anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all beautiful and gorgeous people. Um, and it never, you know, I never like get past that whenever they come out. And I'm like, you all, you all look like supermodels. This is nuts. I did notice, I, I think it must be the vegetables. Like all of the, all the dwarves have like never had a vegetable before. And it would explain Ooh, yeah, like why all of their silky. Their hair is so silky. They're getting the nutrients for sure. Yeah, you know what? I think you're onto something. Definitely. Um, so the dwarves uh, enter Rivendell and they meet a uh, an elf named Lindir. 
And I'm only saying that bringing up this trivia fact because this is like, this goes back to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So this actor, this is Brett McKenzie of Flight of the Concord. I don't even know exactly what that is, but that's what his IMDb says. Anyway, played by Brett McKenzie, and he was originally some random background elf in The Fellowship of the Ring way back in 2001. And the fandom latched on to this like background character with one line, and they called him Figwit, which stands for Frodo is great. Who is that? <laughs> and so Ooh, they brought this actor back onto Return of the King and gave him like an- another couple of lines. And then they brought him back as a different elf here. And I think that I don't I just think that's fun that the the creators and Peter Jackson, the director of these movies, um, what he loved this con this idea that like the fandom had created of this character this background elf named figwit do you think it was him on reddit you know or on tumblr being like who's the who's the sexy one and then just planted the seeds as his own hype man uh who who brett mckenzie he was uh-huh. the one who was like oh my god who is that hot elf oh, wow. you guys don't you guys don't know what figwit means like such a hottie yeah <laughs> apparently that's what happened to sutton foster the famous broadway actress she was like a background dancer and wasn't working with whatever show she was on. They were like, "You come here." She took off. So for all those background dancers and elves, oh, I thought you were. I thought you hope. were going to say that Sutton Foster was like on forums in the early two thousand Broadway forums, being like, "Wow, I hear this ensemble member in you know the Music Man or whatever is really great." That Sutton Foster, we should pay attention to her. Absolutely, yeah. No, she's actually um, one of the gore. What is it? What are the dogs? War- warg? She's what? one of the wargs in the movie. So that's, that's <laughs> okay. my connection to this. So, okay, so. got it. <laughs> um, the rest of the elves uh, led by Elrond come in and the dwarves immediately take up like formation to like protect themselves. And I think it's hilarious how they're so incredibly defensive and the elves just like aren't even doing anything. At one point, Elrond is... He says in, I think he totally did this on purpose, though, because he knows that, you know, the dwarves don't like elves. And I don't know if these elves in particular have anything against dwarves. But anyway, um, and Elrond says in Elvish, I think kind of purposefully to like rile them up and push their buttons. And he asks them, like, would you like to stay for dinner? But they, the dwarves are just racist and all they hear is Elvish and they're like, what did he say about us? And they get ready to like immediately ready to throw hands. And uh, and Gandalf is like, he asked if you want to stay for dinner. And then they all kind of huddle and then they're like, OK, yeah, we can do that. I love that. Language. Sounds good. <laughs> I love the way that the elves rode in like on their horses. Like it was so I mean, you mentioned you know, kind of jocks, but like they roll in like this lacrosse team, you know, on their horse and like surround like the band geeks, you know, we're all yeah. like haven't shaved and don't know how they're the elves are very dramatic. Yeah, it was I mean, it was they, beautiful. It was so powerful. Entrance. I loved it. 
Yes. And um, also to note is that it was Elrond. Th- this was the in the previous part of the movie that we covered last week. There's like this horn that we hear and then some group of, you know, warriors in the distance. We don't really see them fight off the orcs and get them away from the dwarves. They know that it's elves. And here we learned that was that group was being led by Elrond. And it's just so funny that like they were saved by the elves and saved by Elrond and they're still just like so mad they're like I guess we'll eat dinner here and they kind of make fun of the um <laughs> the trolls but like all you need to do with the the dwarves like give them food and they're like okay fine I don't care how I don't care what you're doing I'll eat with you yeah <laughs> As long as you're not eating me, I'll eat with you. Yeah, and then they and yeah, then we have uh this when we cut to them eating dinner. I it makes so much sense that the elves are like granola vegans, you know, and and they uh one of the dwarves is eating and is like, what's all this green stuff? Like, where's the meat? And one of them's like, do they have any chips? Which is just a weird anachronism of like how, because, you know, I'm assuming they're referring to French fries and like how in Middle Earth do they have the technology to create like fried? I mean, I guess you could do it like in a, you know, in a pan over a fire, but like oil. Yeah. The concept of like French fries slash chips being existing in Rivendell. I meant Doritos. (laughs) I was actually going with the American chips. Do you have Doritos? No? Okay, we'll take this one. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, where's the meat? And I just love that little characterization. It's like very brief, you know, but I love that characterization of like the dwarves are so out of their element and they're very like totally different cultures. It is interesting to think like how much of their characters are shaped by their diets because clearly, you know, elves are getting like all parts of the pyramid. And so they're tall and their hair looks great. But like if dwarves ate all parts of the, could they be taller, you know, or what are the orcs not eating? I mean, they must just only be eating stones to look like, but if they got yeah, more yeah. food groups, could they be less ugly? Yeah. <laughs> well, watch what some people are. So I, I, I posted, I made a TikTok kind of like making fun of like, yeah, these movies are terrible, but at least some of the dwarves are hot. And like in particular, I think Thor, yeah, Thor and Keely and Feely are like, the most conventionally attractive ones, but there are people in the comments of this TikTok being like, ooh, Dwalin, daddy. And I'm like, isn't that the bald one? <laughs> like, what are we going for here, y'all? Every pot has a lid. <laughs> yeah. We uh, Do you watch Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race at all? Uh, no, I don't. There's a character named Ginger Minge who looks like all the dwarves in the most loving way. Ginger Minge is quite talented. Oh, but no. <laughs> her, her name... Uh, ginger red hair and she definitely has uh she, she thinks she calls herself like the the sexy toad <laughs> that's awesome that's great and so while they're having dinner thorin and gandalf have their swords that they had gotten from the troll cave examined by elrond and elrond says like oh this is orchrist this was forged by you know high elven whatever and there is a moment where thorin's kind of like begrudgingly like taking back this sword like oh my god of course I found this really cool sword and it was made by elves Ugh. and then he is and then Elrond says something that like I don't know kind of like makes him 
accept the sword more full. I don't know, whatever. And then Gandalf's sword. I don't remember what he says about Gandalf's sword, but that is where we find out that it's named Glamdring. For people who do bar trivia, those are usually, I feel like, the trivia of like, what is Gandalf's sword name? Glamdring. There you go. What is your What is your cousin's name? No idea. <laughs> when is your girlfriend's birthday? Don't ask me that question. Glamdring. Don't know. And Bilbo, meanwhile, pulls out his his little sword and is kind of wondering, like, oh, is Elrond gonna tell me what my sword's name is? I think it's Balin. Uh, is the older dwarf. And he said he sees Bilbo do this and he's like, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that, buddy. Usually swords have to see battle before they're named. And he's like, Do you mean my sword hasn't seen battle? And he goes, It's more of a letter opener. <laughs> I, will, I will say on Fangasm, we do not sword shame all swords. <laughs> every every sword is a good sword. It's not about the size of the sword, it's about the energy and heart of the sword bearer. Yes. Yeah, there we go. I did appreciate that. I think we saw our first ladies in the movie. Yes. I'm Although glad you bring that up. They were servers and musicians. <laughs> yes. Excellent point. I actually did write write that down. I said, gasp, a woman? Uh, yes, I believe the first shot we get of a woman, it is the flute player. And we are at, what, hour 30? We're an hour and 30 minutes into this movie and we see a woman. Do they say anything? No, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't overthink it. They've, they've checked the box. They're there. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was my favorite part. <laughs> Then uh, at dinner, Elrond is like, well, what brings you here? And Thorin, of course, doesn't want to say. And Gandalf is like, just tell him. And so then it cuts to them in this like layer thing. I don't know. Um, And uh, also, like, for some reason, Bilbo is there, but he has no like he has no business being there other than the fact that he is our like main character that we're following you know but like if this was you know a real story his like status wouldn't he wouldn't be there he just is always there do you think they even <laughs> notice like or do you think he was just like using his hobbit powers of he just like not snuck up behind noticeable, them <laughs> not being yeah. over five foot five that he just ended i up keep there. i keep meaning to make a meme um that's like something about, you know, the hobbits or whatever. And it's from the office where Dwight, they're like in the bar and uh, what's her name? Not Meredith. Um, Angela like sneaks up next to Dwight and he like turns and sees her there and he's like, ah, what are you doing there? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and I keep meaning to to take that and do something with that related to, yeah, the hobbits and people just being like, how long have you been there? <laughs> I'll hold you accountable. Hopefully by the time this episode posts. Okay, great. Yeah. It could be there. <laughs> And so Thorin brings out this map that they are using to get to the mountain and they are asking Elrond to examine it for there's like some ancient dwarvish that for some reason like the dwarves don't know, but Elrond would know. I'm assuming it's because he's he's been alive for like millions of years or however old he is. So maybe he like does know that. I don't know. Whatever. It only comes out at the DreamWorks logo. Yeah. And this is this is where it's start, the start of my confusion um, with this like secretiveness happening in Rivendell with the elves of like, I don't fully understand why they are having to hide this mission from the elves 
because they're like, oh, why? Elrond says, like, why do you, why are you interested in, you know, having this examined and translated? And uh, Gandalf like cuts in and is like, oh, you know, just for academic reasons. And it's like, what, what would the elves care if the dwarves are trying to take back their, you know, homeland or you know their kingdom and their treasure that is theirs, you know? And I don't understand it. And so I think this is. This is really where the movie starts kind of going off the rails compared to because none of this, I should add, is in the book of um, like the elves meddling in. They do go to Rivendell, but it's like the total opposite vibes where like Elrond welcomes them. The dwarves are happy to be there and then they rest and party for like two weeks and then they go. And there's none of this like we have to sneak off and, and everything. And are the moon ruins I the book? Yes, the moon runes are there. How do they, um, and they do that have Elrond. The yeah, they have Elrond look at it and he he's like, oh, well, lucky for you, it happens to be the exact cycle of the moon and the exact time of year we need to read this uh, these runes. <laughs> and the same thing happens in the movie, too. And there's this, dr- again, the elves and the dramatics. They, there's this like sweeping shot as they like walk out onto this like ledge or cliff or something that's like underneath a bunch of waterfalls. I'm like, this is so dramatic for no reason, but they just want to do it because they're elves. It's elf conference center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, Elrond examines it and reads out what the runes say, and I can't fully remember what he says. Uh, also, uh, listeners, Danny has abandoned the Hobbit wig. It was so hot. It was so hot. <laughs> no, it looks really And it hot. wasn't working in the movies, and I understand why. <laughs> what if I had another um, wig, another a reveal under there? <laughs> This is my. This is my. That's a real. I was gonna say it's a really good wig. If that's <laughs> if there's another wig under your your Hobbit wig, <laughs> I will. Uh, I will slowly but surely be living up the fangasm name by removing an article of clothing as this gets throughout uh, the podcast. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say you're wearing like hotter. twenty layers of stuff. Also, do you have a backpack on? Yeah, <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> Where do you think I keep my snacks? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Anyway, the point of what he translates is that. The door to the Misty Mountains will be visible or this like side entrance, really this like secret entrance that they need in order to like sneak around Smaug will be visible by like the last light of Durin's day, um, which is, I believe, how like the it's basically how the dwarves mark the end of summer or the beginning of fall, something like that. And they're like, Durin's Day, that's not but two weeks from now or whatever. And it's like, awfully, again, awfully convenient that it wasn't like, oh, that was yesterday. <laughs> if they got, if they, if they didn't get chased by, I think that's what you have to really appreciate the journey. Right? They didn't get chased by orcs at the time. They might not have gotten fallen in to the walkway to Rivendell and they would have been three hours early for the moon ruins, you know, and missed it. So they would never have known that they only have two weeks left. There's some movies somewhere where the journey is actually held much longer. It actually warrants yeah. three, three books is because it's they're like, not they're so like, helpful. We have to we have to drag this out another year. <laughs> yeah. Let's make some pit stops along the way. Let's make this, you know, a real sightseeing. It's more like a vacation than a journey or a quest at that point, you know, because oh, they have the time. you got to come back in a month and a half because actually the moon cycle just missed. So yeah. And like, what if they can't? Yeah. What if the moon by the time the moon cycle revealed the letters, then they're like, oh, you needed to be at the mountain yesterday. Oh, it's cloudy. It's cloudy. We can't uh, yeah. show you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's like every time there's like, you know, it's like, this is a once in a lifetime meteor shower happening tonight. And it's like, all right. And you walk out and it's cloudy and you're like, well, okay, then that's great. Guess I'll never get my home back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is when Elrond is like, oh, you mean to enter the mountain? I would not advise that. And Gandalf is like, why not? And then uh, Elrond is like, well, you're not the only one watching out over, you know, the lands or whatever. And then we go and visit, or actually, no, we get a scene. It goes to a scene with Azog, the he- the the pale orc, which I do not care about any of the scenes that they cut to this character and show it. Because it's just, first of all, they're always speaking in whatever, you know, orc language it is. So you're always having to read subtitles. They're always like screaming and yelling and there's always a lot of noise. And so that's usually when I have to like leap across the room and grab my remote and turn the volume down because the previous scene, they had just been like having a normal conversation. And so the volume is up all the way. And then it's like, get that dwarf scum. And I'm like, oh my God. My friend Nick said uh, (laughs) that guy only has one volume. And it's that. And yeah. uh, and and Stephanie Nick said they described all the orc stuff as capitalist trilogy propaganda, just as a, a means to extend the yes. movies into three to make more money. Fully, fully. So that is definitely one of the parts that they expanded on in the movie, which isn't really a plot in the book at all. In fact, Azog, at the start of the events of The Hobbit in the book, Azog is dead. <laughs> He's not even he died in the battle in the battle that we see between Thorin. It's that like big flashback and it's him go and then he like chops his hand off and they're outside of Moria. He was supposed to die there at the hands of a different dwarf. And then like later on when they go into the tunnels, because technically this is also where you can this is where I I hear myself and I'm like, this sounds like nonsense. This Listeners, like if you, you can't see this, but my eyes are crossed and I'm sweatier <laughs> than I was before. <laughs> because technically Tolkien wrote the word goblins, but it's technically orcs. So when you're reading The Hobbit, the the antagonists and like the creatures that are attacking them the whole time are goblins, but they're technically what he meant to be later on what become orcs. Is that why they look so much alike? Yeah. And so when they go into the goblin tunnels, which those guys are actually goblins, <laughs> um, they're supposed to be, that's kind of where they start this feud because they realize that group in the books realize oh this is the son of the guy that killed our leader azog back in that battle a long time ago and so they have this feud if none of that made sense don't worry about it It has no consequence you're running out of red string connecting all these dots (laughs) you're tied up i feel i say that all the time that like i think tolkien and his son christopher who is responsible for putting together a lot of his father's notes and publications after he passed all the time they had to have just been that one scene from it's always sunny of um charlie going carol carol (laughs) (laughs) and that just had to have been like what their lives looked like that's so good (laughs) but i feel like that sometimes too so okay Point being, yes, we have all these very like unnecessary scenes. And I mean, they are short. So thankfully, we're not spending too much time. But at the same time, it's a two hour, 40 minute movie in a three part series. We don't need this these scenes that are showing like 
what Azog is up to and what how he's ordering his men to to attack and like what they're up to i really don't care you know like i would have been totally fine if the next time we see them is when they have this confrontation at the end of this movie they say like put a price on their head and i want to think like what is work payment like like, yeah i was thinking that too yeah i was like what price what do they even have like work money c- capitalism <laughs> like does that exist in- you just don't die uh, and this and this go- of course goes all the way back to uh two towers with those orcs going looks like meat's back on the menu boy and everyone's like how do orcs know what a menu is <laughs> you know <laughs> the cheesecake factory is franchised everywhere yeah <laughs> there's just the cheesecake factory and <laughs> yeah in middle earth just right there the orcs pop in at the end of the long day and then we do cut back to rivendell and uh elrond is bringing actually first first though we get this it's just a f- it's just a really brief moment with the dwarves where they're just like sitting around they're sitting and joking around and laughing one of them throws like a piece of food at bomber who is the fat one and he's sitting on like a bench or something and he has like so much food and everything around him and they throw something and he catches it in his mouth and then it breaks and then they all like burst out into laughter and it's like it has you know it has nothing to do with the plot or whatever but it's just like very cute and fun to like see them having a good time and to like have these for 13 characters that I don't know the names of most of them it's nice to have small moments that add a little bit of like personalization to like who they are yeah bomber you've got one scene this is it fall with fall as big as you can yes take your take your stage take your bow take your time yeah 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 (laughs) this is your moment to shine then uh elrond brings gandalf up to another it's like another cliff (laughs) or ledge or something they're always like overlooking and i'm like are there any guardrails like what's happening here and we get a very again another dramatic entrance slash reveal of galadriel and she does this rotation which apparently there was some i don't know rumor or whatever most people thought that she was like on a platform that turned her no that was just kate blanchett like that was all that was all her just yeah gliding around um and gandalf says something like um, like you haven't aged a bit, which is obviously like a little bit of a joke because it's like she's an elf. They don't age. But legitimately, she looks the exact same as she did in the Fellowship of the Ring. That was, you know, 10 years or nine years before when they filmed this. It was sort of brave of Hugo, you know, to come back, you know, have some of these characters come back and like not have aged. But Kate Blanchett actually can can do it. Yes. Oh, yeah. She is every bit. She is majestic. She is every bit of Galadriel that like she needs to be. But at the same time, it's kind of like Galadriel. What are you doing here? Because she does not appear in the Hobbit book. (laughs) Oh, no, no Galadriel. They definitely read the Hobbit and were like, there's not a single woman in here. (laughs) We got to do something. They filmed the parts where they're doing the flute. and They're like, oh, we got to get one aligned. Yeah, like we got we got to do something here, y'all. And they do do something in the in few in the next movie. 
we'll get to that, dear listeners. Um, I certainly have thoughts about that. But um, yeah, Galadriel is here. And I guess of like any of the it's also a bit of like, okay, we've just spent, you know, for the most part, an hour and a half with these a whole bunch of characters that we don't really know. So it's kind of nice for them to bring in these characters that everyone's familiar with, even if she has no business being there. Kate <laughs> Blanchett can come into any movie. And watch yeah, that is true. I will make a thousand exceptions, though, for Galadriel being in parts of the story that she has no business being in. And so they go to, ha- I don't know, like have a meeting or something. And Gandalf says like, Elrond, I can't believe you called Galadriel here. And he's like, I didn't. And then someone goes, I did. And then out walks Saruman. And again, Saruman, what are you doing here? Saruman does not appear in The Hobbit, the book <laughs> at all. <laughs> This is all the next, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes of this movie is I don't I believe it came from either appendices or other notes that Tolkien wrote, but I don't 100% know where this plot that they are like about to start and introduce. I don't fully know where they got that from or if they just totally made it up. And it sounds made up to me, honestly. And see what what part of this movie did you assign me? If none of this is real, <laughs> yeah, I kind of gave you, I kind of gave you the worst part. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, special to me, so thank you. There's about there's about one part like every movie where I have to like I have to give it to someone because like it's not as fun or whatever. And the worst I felt when I was doing Two Towers, I messaged Mike Schubert of Potterless and asked him if he was interested in coming on. He's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, cool. Um, it's for this part of Two Towers. He was like, oh, if at all possible, could I come in for the part where Legolas uh, skateboards with his shield? And that is during the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is like the biggest battle of like all of cinematic history, basically. And I had already planned to have some other people on for that. And so I was like, no, but you can come on for the episode literally right before that. (laughs) And I felt so bad having to be like, you can come on for the part of the movie that leads up to the greatest battle in cinematic history. (laughs) and like he was a good sport about it he's like oh that's fine whatever but i felt so bad having to be like oh no who's gonna get this episode you know you know he was shouting when he was listening to the episode (laughs) that he wanted to be on with with thoughts yeah he's like and then legolas does some sick tricks he would have gotten the gold medal in the olympics which by the way i did not know that skateboarding was an olympic I think it's event. new this year. Was, was that new this year? Okay. I think it's brand new this year. Okay. That makes me feel better then. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, this ensuing scene, which is basically, it's just like a reunion of all of the like magical, whatever, mythical characters that everyone's familiar with from previous movies. It's kind of weird watching it when Saruman at this point is on their side, because obviously we know that later down the road, he turns and like serves Sauron and turns to darkness um and so it's kind of strange watching this scene and his parts in these movies being like none of this matters none of what he's doing or is saying matters because we know what happens to him later he's sort of gaslighting them right like oh it's not a big deal i liked when he listed everything off oh, you know terrible. he was like yeah oh are you just telling me the coincidences that that the works and then the sword and then the necromancer like that can't like no those are those seem like pretty big things dude it's like no these are we need to do something about this <laughs> sir <Are you> drug <laughs> shaming about the mushrooms honestly like, yeah 
<laughs> yeah, so they sit down and Gandalf uh, is, they're like, Gandalf, you're meddling and, you know, all the, because at this point, Gandalf the Grey is very much known for just being like, he's your friendly neighborhood wizard is the way that I explain Gandalf the Grey, where like he shows up, he kind of like, it's my favorite line that he says when he's talking to Bilba at the beginning and he's like, you should go on this adventure. It'll be good for you and most amusing for me. And so they're like, you're meddling, you're doing all these things that like you have no business being in like just for your own entertainment again i'm not sure why they need to care about what the dwarves are doing and what he's doing with the dwarves and then he's like but we have other things to be concerned about and he pulls out the dagger the nazgul blade that had been buried and they're like this blade should have was buried whatever thousand years ago by the whatever people of whatever land <laughs> after the battle of whatever there's no way it's it's possible that it's here and it's like well it is here i don't know what to tell you this is a sign hey please please pay attention i like when gandalf asks yeah. the tough questions like are we at peace you know, it's, uh, yeah. I asked the question, like, why is Gandalf meddling and all this stuff? And it's because he knows that, like, bad stuff is happening, right? He can foretell that not just about getting the dwarves back he's got stuff to say yeah they they they're like gandalf why are you bringing up all this stuff we've been at peace yeah he says like are we at peace there are these trolls coming too far south or west i don't know what direction they're in the there's like the nazgul are awakening from their grave and there's this sorcerer that some call the necromancer and uh uh, Saruman is like the necromancer. That's probably just, you know, it's just a farmer playing pranks or whatever. And Gandalf is like, no, but Radagast said. And then Saruman's like, Radagast? He's tripping on shrooms all the time. <laughs> and I don't know. That's where I start. I was wondering because he says, what does he say? He says something about like Radagast and his mushrooms. And I'm like, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me are the mushrooms in that forest like like dr- like shrooms, like drugged mushrooms? <laughs> I think so. Is Look, that what's happening? <laughs> you know, I know that they're opening up testing for this that mushrooms have like quite a few uh, medical benefits. So I don't think Sar- Sauron should be, maybe he needs them. He probably yeah. has like greater clarity than anybody because he's get so many mushrooms. <laughs> I don't believe you can don't take uh, it does, however, explain a lot about like Radagast's character. Because um, yes. I don't know, I don't know about you when you uh, saw those parts with Radagast. He is just such a nonsensical character, and he has like no business having as much part of this story as he what's, does. What's is it? Bird poop? What's on his hair? What's that? Yes, it's bird poop. Yes, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Make fun of him for that, not the mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> He's got bird poop all down his face. Don't listen. Yeah, to and me. then you're and you're right. Uh, Saruman does basically gaslight Gandalf and does all he can to try and discredit everything he's saying. And he's like, "I'm concerned about Smaug. We need to go deal with this dragon because he could easily align himself with Sauron." And everyone's like, "Sauron? He's he's been dead for eighty years." And uh, they're just totally dismissing him. And then. This is what made me mad in the in the original trilogy, and it makes me even madder here. Galadriel and Gandalf have a telepathic conversation, and they're I the, don't understand. They're the how. two coworkers that are IMing throughout the meeting about the boss. <laughs> yeah, just gossiping. Yeah, they're yeah they're having a private chat in the Zoom meeting. Like, oh my god, I can't believe this. Is, like, like I can't believe 
I can't believe Cindy threw me under the bus like that. You like I know you worked really hard on that project and it was all her fault and you definitely need to speak up for yourself and let Chad know and it's like I don't know like they're hey, definitely having their inside conversation. Hey Cindy, yeah. you're sharing your whole desktop. We can see the whole conversation. Yeah, like uh Cindy, that was sent to the entire group. <laughs> can you stay on after the end of the call? We need to speak in private. <laughs> Um, yeah, they have this telepathic conversation and I kind of excused it in the Lord of the Rings movies because this happened between Elrond and Galadriel and I was like, okay, well, they're elves, you know, they're fancy elves with fancy magic. Maybe that's why they can have this like telepathic conversation. But Gandalf is a wizard and so I don't understand. And it's just a lot of we're going to introduce these character, these magical characters and we're going to do nothing to explain how their magic works. Which is basically like how what happened in the books. So at least that part is true to the books. <laughs> and no, they didn't explain any magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or that Gandalf could uh, could telepath. No, he at least as far as I know, he could not. Um, but yeah, the fact that they don't do much to explain like why this is happening or what's going on. As they're talking and Saruman is saying like, as for your business with the dwarves, it's too bad. You should have come to me first. And, I, you know, I never would have let this happen. And sure, they would have been disappointed. And then Galadriel like turns and like stares at him. And again, telepathic is like, they're leaving, aren't they? And he's like... Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, y'all. You've just been Gandalfed. <laughs> Saran's like, uh, why are you giggling? Because he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and also I love the I love how while they're having these like telepathic conversations, the whole time Saruman is just talking and he is not realizing that no one is listening. <laughs> Also, just real quick about Saruman, uh, just some trivia about Sir Christopher Lee and filming this movie. So Sir Christopher Lee loved telling stories to the production crew while fil filming his part to the point where he was slowing production down. <laughs> so very much like his character just talking yeah. and delaying. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also for your context, Sir Christopher Lee was a very big Tolkien fan. He read Lord of the Rings like every year of his life and he actually met J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, so he was like very big into Lord of the Rings. Well, you were saying that, was it Vigo that didn't show up in this because he said, I'm not in the books, but Christopher yeah. Lee said, I'm a big fan, but for a big check, I... I'll be there. I'll come back. You need to I sure. think I think it might have also just been that like he was excited to be involved in this story again. Although I'm not because he did not have very good like ending terms with Peter Jackson with the Lord of the Rings movies because in Return of the King they cut out all of Saruman's stuff from the theatrical edition and he his character doesn't appear at all and Christopher being a big Tolkien person and then also like how does how much does that suck like you go to the premiere of like one of the biggest movies of all time you know and you're not even in it <laughs> um he was furious that he was cut and was not on I don't know if he was on good speaking terms with Peter Jackson or like if they eventually just got over it or maybe he got over it you know, or whatever, but he did actually bring it up again at the premiere of The Hobbit, the the first movie. He, when Peter Jackson called him and was like, "Hey, come to the premiere," he was like, "Did you cut me out of this movie too?" <laughs> Ooh, I love it. Yeah, 
I love yeah. a shady wizard. I know, right? <laughs> I'm very shady. Also, he looks, I think it's because they probably had to do some like CGI to make him look younger because he's supposed to, Saruman, the character, is supposed to be 60 years younger than he was in the Lord of the Rings movies. And then also at that point, Sir Christopher Lee would have aged, you know, another 10 years from filming that movie. So I don't know if they did some kind of like digital effects, but he looks weird. Yeah. Um, like his eye and maybe that maybe that's on purpose is because we, you know, know that we're not supposed to fully trust Saruman. But he looks kind of he looks weird. Well Botox. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tight. <laughs> yeah. He's got secrets he's not telling. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, they find and then another dwarf, uh a dwarf god. Who are all these creatures? An elf comes in and is like, Sir Elrond, the Lord Elrond, the dwarves have left, and they're all like, What? And they're like, Gandalf, you knew about this. And he's like, you're right, I did. And again, I don't understand why they have to hide this from the elves and why they felt like they had to sneak out. And were they thinking the elves were going to like just hold them hostage or something? Like, I don't fully understand that. And I think that's an effect of this is like a plot point that did not come from the books. And therefore, you can tell that it's like not from the source material that was like, you know, well written by a fantasy expert, basically, you know. And we get this shot of the dwarves leaving Rivendell and Bilbo turns and looks out, looks behind him and Thorne's like, keep up, hobbit or whatever. And uh, I feel bad for Bilbo in this moment because it very much feels, and as the youngest child in my family, it feels like whenever like my parents would leave for the night or something and my siblings would be babysitting me or like, you know, something like, like mom has left and now it's just the youngest and the mean older siblings. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Bilbo's like, I don't have Gandalf with me anymore. That's so sad. Um, when does <laughs> when does Gandalf say is that that little, that beautiful paragraph, Saruman believes it's the only great power that can hold evil in check? That's next. Keep going. Yeah. You spoiled everything. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Keep going. Carry on. No, it's MC. coming up. Yeah. And so then we see, yeah, we see Galadriel and Gandalf talking. Galadriel says, like, you are right to help the dwarves. Like, this is a very noble mission. However, this quest has put things in motion, dark forces in motion. And again, I don't fully understand how that's possible. Like, the dwarves going on this adventure and going to the Shire to get Bilbo and all of that, that has nothing. They didn't, like, awaken the the Nazgul, the, 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 like, Witch King, you know? They didn't awaken the Necromancer by going on this quest. So I, I don't understand why that's happened, why she's saying that. I mean, like, technically, maybe she's right, but right, it's a leap. Yeah. And she also says, like, we have to solve the riddle of the the uh, Morgul blade. And I'm like, why, though? Like, what what is what is the the blade have to do with the dwarves getting a treasure back? And then uh, Gandalf goes to leave because he's like, OK, well, I need to go catch up with the dwarves. And she says, why the halfling? Which is very much like, for a second, I was like, what movie are we in? Because that's very much the theme of Lord of the Rings as well, of like, why why does Frodo have the ring, you know? And then Gandalf just goes like, I don't know. <laughs> 
But he does say, this is a moment that I kind of feel like they took some things that Gandalf, that like Tolkien wrote Gandalf saying, but they kind of paraphrased it here. And so for me, it doesn't sound as good, but the original thought is still there and it's still very nice. And Gandalf says like, Saruman believes that it is only a great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I've found. I found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Simple acts of kindness and love. He says that like Bilbo gives him courage and that and that's why he picked Bilbo for this quest, apparently. <laughs> that quote must be a bunch of tattoos, right? Like a lot of people, I would assume, or like graduation quotes. Probably, yeah, yeah. See, the problem though is that it is a it's a very great sentiment. The problem though is that it's coming from the movies that the fandom notoriously hates. So I don't think anyone who really loves that quote um would get it as a tattoo because then someone would ask them be like, Oh, what's that from? They'd have to be like, That's from the Hobbit movies. (laughs) That's from (laughs) I love the movies. And also, like, in the process, if you're listening to this and you have that tattoo, I think you're great. No hate, but I have a feeling there's probably a uh, there's probably like a lot more other quotes from either the Lord of the Rings movies or the books that people got before this one. Yeah. In like since, you know, starting coverage of the Hobbit movies, there have been a lot of people who say, like, I really enjoy these movies and I really love them because um, oh, there was there was someone on our Facebook group who said that initially, you know, they didn't like the movies when they came out, but now they're kid is watching them and so they watch them together and i'm like that's very sweet so there are there are a lot as as much as i like uh, have have started to hate on these movies which i keep having to remind myself that like when you zoom out it's really not too terrible of a movie i don't know what your opinion let me ask you yeah let me ask you your thoughts as someone who's like a more ca- you know casual viewer um i mean i have a tattoo a more... i have a tattoo that says when's dinner so uh <laughs> Multiple, multiple times removed from what about a second breakfast? Uh, no, I uh, I think if your expectation is right, there it was really enjoyable. So I went in with no expectation and, and I had a good and time. And it was enjoyable. But yeah. I can imagine that if you're if you're very loyal to a quote, to a character, you know, that uh, some of these liberties, I'm sure were quite big. Yeah, I think so, too. My problem is just that, like, I enjoyed them on a more you know like baseline level when I first watched them but now that I'm having to like go in and discuss them at detail I'm like wow these aren't good (laughs) I was laughing at the idea that you know they have taken one book blown it into three movies which you have blown into how many episodes are you going to do for I'm going to do four per four four podcast episodes and I can only hope that in the future somebody takes that's what I'm talking about and does a re-listen and blows this and episode into about at least that. three. Yeah. I want, oh, man. I want a three-part series for somebody to cover up this conversation. That would be that would be very meta. And at that point, I would be like, <laughs> "Go, go outside, go." And, and when see she mentions, and when she mentions Angela from The Office, what it what it's really what she really is trying to say. What is, it really <laughs> signifies is <laughs> her desire 
to escape the nine to five corporate lifestyle of America. And he kept saying Sauron, but what he really meant was Soroman. And that's that's the issue. It's a common mistake. It's common a common mis- mistake. They had to fix that in post. All of the names sound the same. Yeah. It's a very common mistake. I've done it before yeah. and I'll do it again, too. Totally. <laughs> Um, we have this very strange, intimate moment between Gandalf and Galadriel that I'm not sure what to make of, where she says something like, do not fear, like, you are not alone, just say my name and I will come. And then she, like, like puts her hands on his face and, like, she does what, like, got what, like, the love interest, the mysterious love interest in, like, a rom-com would do, where she moves a piece of a strand of Gandalf's hair and tucks it behind his ear. (laughs) And it's very, like, it's this very intimate moment. And I was kind of uncomfortable. Not that, like, anything they did was necessarily, like, overtly, you know, romantic or anything, but just the implications of, like, Galadriel and Gandalf, I, I don't know what they were going for here. It's what we call a like a slow burn. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't. But but that's the thing is I, I don't. I see so the beginnings and I'm like, I don't know. No. Thank <laughs> you. Get me out of here. This is. No. I don't want this. <laughs> I did not ask for this. This this was most definitely not in the book. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Bring back Boren. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like that has more that makes more sense to me than this. No, thank you. Perhaps it was just like supposed to be a comforting moment between showing like a, a form of like platonic love. For, for one another, you know, like I care for you, but I'm obviously not going to kiss you. I don't I don't know. And we'll have we'll just have to see what happens with these two in in the rest of the movies. But I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and then she disappears. <laughs> she does her cape. She does her perfect cape Blanchett. Turn around and off. No, but I don't. She, he like closes his eyes or something and it zooms in on him and when he opens them she's just gone did she apparate like if she was dumbled <laughs> if she was dumbledore i would have been like oh well she apparated you know for dramatic effect and to be funny but i don't know what she did <laughs> she just disappeared again elves are very dramatic then we have classic staple in a peter jackson tolkien movie Beautiful sweeping scenery shots of New Zealand. Just a lot of them. Um, as we see the dwarves hiking through like the mountains and the plains and the beautiful majestic score of the Misty Mountain song is playing as they're going on this journey. making like amazing ground for they're going they're traveling pretty fast (laughs) they're going for a while (laughs) later on when when bilbo says oh i'm going back like just remember he has to hike all those things alone yeah it'll only take him a minute and a half (laughs) 
Yeah, a minute. Yeah, just a minute and a half. Just hiking montage. Yeah, yeah. Just one hiking montage up this giant mountain and over this giant plane. Yeah. I would have seen the first plane and I'm like, nah, never mind. I'm going back I'm for salad. <laughs> I'm out. What do you mean we don't have... I thought we were going to be on horses. I thought we were going to have... Which I should... It's very important to note for future scene, they do not have ponies right now. And I will bring this up in, in the future. Yeah, they do not have ponies. And that you is suggested very I read important. The, you suggested I read the spark notes. So I know where that comment's going. Yeah, it's terrifying. Anyway, <laughs> um, and they are uh, at a point where they're in some mountain range. They're on some cliffs and it's pouring rain. And then uh, a thunder battle happens. It's a thunderstorm. And then someone goes, this isn't a thunderstorm. It's a thunder battle. Dum, dum, dum. And, and this is something that in the in the book, they do use the phrase thunder battle. But I think that was more Tolkien being like playful and like personifying a very intense thunderstorm. But here they changed it. And it's a literal thunder battle between stone giants that come to life and they are like sitting down uh, on the mountains and then they like stand up and start fighting with each other. And even though this wasn't in the book, I thought this was really fun. I thought it was like really creative of them to take this one little line from the book, this concept of a thunder battle, and they made it much more literal. And it's also you kind of have to start introducing more unique and interesting ways to show your characters in peril rather than just like, oh, my God, it's pouring rain and they almost fell off the cliff. Um, and so it's very fun to watch. I really liked this. Mm -hmm. Well, it's sort of like if the ruins are like you have to be at the right place at exactly the right time, they're in the wrong place at exactly the wrong time. Like they just so happen yeah. into a rock sibling battle, you know, two brothers fighting for the remote taking yeah. down the mountain <laughs> yeah yeah and one of them one of the giants stand up and the dwarves and the company have been they're standing on like his knees or something and so he stands up and starts moving and then at one point so up up until now we have not gotten much alone time or we haven't gotten really to know the dwarves um, we kind of just know some of them in passing and some of their little characterizations. And up until this moment, Keely and Filio just like, oh, they're fun and they're attractive. Great. But the moment they get separated, I was I was like, no, don't do that. This is awful. This is the worst possible thing to happen. And I just immediately was like, and I think I think that's also because probably from like the original trilogy, you have Mary and Pippin and they're always together and they're a dynamic duo. And then when they're separated, it's very like heart wrenching. And so like for this brief moment where they, they get separated and one of them like calls out to the other and is like, jump over here. And then they don't make it. And then like you see the expression on their face and they're like, oh, no, I've been separated. I think they're brothers. Um, yeah, they're brothers because they're the the nephews of Thorin. So they're like next in line um, for this kingdom. But I was immediately in distress. <laughs> it was so stressful. I wrote down, how is the fat one alive? <laughs> like none of them I mean, should be alive. Honestly, yeah. How are any of them alive? I don't know. And also, I feel like Bomber would have lost a lot of weight by now, you know? Yeah. Like that would be the only if somebody was like, hey, you're gonna have to go on this quest, I'd be like, will I lose weight? They'd be like, definitely. Be like, okay. I'll consider it. 
<laughs> I'll consider it then. <laughs> How many points are in troll boogers? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there's this very dynamic battle between the stone giants. And at one point, the knee that half of the company is on slams into the mountain. And the other half are like, oh, no, they're all dead. And they go around the corner and they're all still alive. And this is when I was like, I got to figure out what the name of the dwarf in the floppy hat is. Because so far, he's been pretty fun. He's the one in that little scene in Rivendell who like throws the piece of food at Bomber and he like and then he like collapses over laughing and then right before the the battle he's like bless my beard the legends are true stone giants and then here he's the one to notice that bilbo is not there and i'm like i i don't know who you are floppy hat dwarf but i like you (laughs) but you are you are still able to see outside of the floppy hat for the main character of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the one to be like, where's Bilbo? And Bilbo is dangling over the edge. And there's this very drawn out um, process of getting him up where Thorin almost falls. And the floppy hat dwarf is like, oh, my God, I thought we lost our burglar. That would have been terrible. And Thorin goes, our burglar is, is has been lost this whole time. Like, he's very far from home or something like that. Wait, no, that's a... Spider-Man movie. Um, I am Iron Man. Yeah. I for- anyway, I forget like what the exact quote is, but Thorin basically rags on Bilbo unnecessarily because I it could have been literally any of the dwarves that fell over the edge, you know? I think I wrote, Burglar has no place amongst us. Damn, it's sad. Dude. It's, yeah, he's mean. And again, I don't get how people are shipping them unless it's in like a degrading way, in which case I don't support that. Well, people love like Drary, you know, Draco and Harry oh is a God. big ship. Like, yeah. I feel like any any enemies turn lovers, but they're not quite enemies. They're- yeah, that's I get enemies turned lovers. Love me and enemies to lovers trope. Don't get me wrong. But this isn't even an enemies to lovers. This is like a really hateful man with a grudge against someone who like, he hi- like, also, they hired Bilbo. They were the ones that wanted Bilbo to join them. They needed Bilbo's help. Like, yeah. it, was, it reminded me like the top of the, I think the the scene right before this section when Gandalf says like, over here, you fools. Like fools, like they're being chased by orcs. Like there's these moments where the characters like are sort of mean to each other. And yeah. it, it sort of feels like when you go on vacation with friends and by the end, you're all just, oh, like, yeah. you know, you put your credit card down. You know, it's like, it's like so stressful. <laughs> It's like, can you stop breathing so loud? I swear to God. Right, right. (laughs) They find a cave. Oh, oh, sorry. I just saw this note and I feel the need to bring it up, which is that at one point, Keeley has his hood up and he's like drenched in water and his hair's all wet. And it very much gave me Aragorn vibes. Mm. And it made me feel right at home. And I uh, just can't wait to see more of Keeley in the future. This is where, so they go in, they go into the, the a cave and they're like, we're going to stay here for the night. Um, and then we're going to move on. And one of them is like, I thought we were, we were supposed to wait for Gandalf. And Thorin's like, plans change. Why? What? What? Why are you wanting to ditch like the one like so far again? Like Gandalf saved them from the trolls. Like why are you wanting to ditch the one person who's like been the most helpful? He's just like a very Thorin's just a very like grumpy, prideful person. Like, excuse me, sir. Could you ask for directions? Like, you know, wait for Honest the wizard. Honest to God. 
<laughs> Maybe this wouldn't have been a trilogy if he had stopped to ask for directions. <laughs> Much faster. Guys, this is where we learn the name of the floppy hat dwarf because he says, Bofer, you take watch. And then Bofer later has a scene with Bilbo because he was the only one who was awake. So his name is Bofer. And I really hate this because Tyler and Ethan made such a such a goddamn big deal about Bofer D's nuts. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm so <laughs> mad about the fact that the dwarf I was so excited to figure out the name of is Bofer. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry, but I didn't realize that I could say D's nuts on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, I would have said it like a bunch earlier. <laughs> I, I held back D's nuts yeah, like 12 times. Can... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can because I said I kept it in. in I think I kept it in in an episode or maybe it was a different recording i don't know i don't know what i'm i'm doing well, a lot I'll of definitely not forget bofer's name yeah so the floppy hat dwarf much to my chagrin is named bofer i'd also like to add that when we zoom in on on bofer that he isn't just the floppy hat dwarf but he is also the floppy hat dwarf with like the perfect little swoop mustache yeah like, i've never seen like, it kind of looked like a, a hairstyle from the 60s. He has some very fun facial hair, yeah. Oh, yeah, MVP. Like, if I was hanging off the cliff, I would have grabbed onto Bofer's <laughs> mustache handlebar. love handles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which, actually, I really thought that there would be a lot more callbacks or, or in like, Easter egg jokes to Gimli's, like, famous moments in the Lord of the Rings trilogy or when he's, like, grabbed by the beard when he's about to fall off a, a, a cliff and he goes, not the beard. And then at one point they go to throw him and he goes like, nobody tosses a dwarf. And so I was really expecting for either of those lines or moments or something to come up at some point, you know, in, in this series. And I don't, I don't, maybe they do. And I just missed it or something. But so far, uh, there's no, you know, beard jokes or anything like in in the original trilogy that surprised yeah, me total missed opportunity some trivia related to the beards aiden turner who plays keely is the only dwarf actor sporting his real facial hair and the other 12 all have fake beards or other kinds of fake facial hair go him go keely so i guess he came in and was like hi is my face beautiful enough i don't know whatever or maybe they didn't want to put a beard on him so that he is more appealing for future see i don't know why i'm acting like uh, i'm trying to keep everything from being spoiled like he has a like romantic plot line in the next movie Mm -hmm. um and they were like we can't hide that face with a beard he was giving elves he was giving eyes to a certain music musician correct no it's a character that shows up later okay (laughs) don't spoil it for me either then (laughs) keep the surprise I will say he probably was like, I'm going to save myself five hours a day. I'm going to grow this out <laughs> at the smartest one. Yeah. And where were we? Yeah. So they take they they stop and um and go to sleep and rest for the night. We have a scene with Azog, Azog, what, the orcs. I don't even remember what happens in this scene, but we see them because I wrote again, Azog, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that was Next. my only note. I'm assuming they're progressing to, you know, they're sh- just showing the progression of them closing in on the dwarves and going after the dwarves. So then we have Bilbo trying to uh, trying to leave and he gets up and he packs up everything when everyone's asleep and he sneaks off 
But Bofur catches him because he's been keeping watch. And he's like, where are you going? And Bilbo says, like, Thorin's right. I have no business being here. I don't belong here. And Bofur is so sweet. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're one of us now. You're part of the company. And Bilbo goes, like, not really. As he brushes his hair to the side in a very emo. <laughs> no. I don't belong. I don't belong here. I'm not like you. I'm not like the other girls. <laughs> Whatever. He's like, I'm not like you guys. I have a home. I have a place where, you know, like, I want to go back to my books and my chair and my fireplace and my home. And you guys don't have a home. You're used to this. And then he's like, oh, that was kind of mean. I'm sorry. That's kind of, I kind of forgot that the reason you don't have a home is because it was destroyed by a dragon who also Oops. probably killed a whole bunch of your people in a really traumatic event. Bofa <laughs> replies, well, I can reach the top shelves. Jerk. <laughs> Even though we're the same height. That's something that I'm glad you noticed that too. That's something that pisses me off because Bilbo's supposed to be when you when you look at the original Lord of the Rings movies, Gimli compared to the rest of the Hobbits is at least a, is about a foot taller than them because in real life, John Reese Davies is like six one or whatever. He's the actor who plays Gimli, and he is in real life like a foot taller than the rest of the hobbits. And they purposefully did that so that they wouldn't have to deal with as much, um, you know, like scaling down the characters. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, for whatever reason, in, in these movies, Bilbo is like the same size as the dwarves. I don't get it. He just smells like a little bit better. And that's his competitive edge against. The yeah. Spider. He's sneaky and he doesn't smell like dwarf. And that's how he's different. But like he's supposed to be significantly Maybe not even significantly, but he's definitely supposed to be smaller than the dwarves. And I don't. And and that's what makes me mad about why when there are these moments with the dwarves that are very obviously CGI'd and they don't look good and they look animated almost sometimes. Why would you go to the effort of doing that, but then not have the height, the the like perspective and, and uh, proportions be different compared to the other like species or race? Character, Galad you know? Galadriel turns to Gandalf and says, why the nine-tenths sling? Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely not half their size. <laughs> Maybe he is half of Galadriel's size. She's Maybe. like an Amazonian goddess, basically, you know? <laughs> we stand. She's so tall. Gosh. Um, those elves, they're gorgeous. Anyway, and Beaufort is kind of like, yeah, I, I get it. That's fair. That makes sense. Best of luck. Good luck, buddy. Getting back. Yeah, this. Yeah, that's when Bill, Bill was like, I'm going back to Rivendell. And I'm like, it, you had to like hike for like two weeks over mountains. Like, good luck with that. And I like that they added in. This is a moment that is not in the book. There are several parts where you get, you know, like as you're reading a book, you know, you get inside an inside look at the you know, at the main character that you don't get with movies unless you have a unless you have narration going on. And there are a lot of moments in the books where Bilbo is like, and not for the first time that day, he wished he was at home and he longed for his books and his tea. But there's never I, and I kept expecting for a moment like this to happen in the books where he's like, I'm out. This is too much. Y'all are too mean to me. This isn't worth it. I'm leaving by. And I kept waiting for something like that to happen in the book. And it didn't. And I think it's I think it's a very realistic reaction. So I like this little scene. Movies, one. Books, 983. Yeah, really. <laughs> the only thing. Well, are. I will say the the stone giants. They Two. get that. Um, Keely and Feely are hot. 
and you can't really convey if a character's hot in a book. It's kind of hard, other than being like, and they were hot. <laughs> so the movies, the movies have like five points, and the book, the book has, and The Hobbit also isn't necessarily like a amazing work of art. It's not like an exceptional book like perfect book it has a lot it has a lot of flaws and 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 everything but like the yeah the movies uh, so far have not done a great job i think at well this first movie at least does stick pretty closely to the events of the book but as they introduce those other plot lines about the necromancer and whatever azog is doing <laughs> that's when it deviates <laughs> when i pulled up the smart smart notes i went like to chapter 10 11 12 and i kept like looking for where we were to try and compare and then i was oh, like, yeah, it's like oh it's chapter, chapter three three <laughs> yeah, yeah chapter, chapter three and four that's right. Yeah. Chapter three. Yeah. Uh, this part of the book is, yeah, chapter three and four. Yeah. And then I think the next part is, yeah, chapter five and six. So theoretically, they did a good job of like they div- they evenly divided the book up into three parts. Like when you if you were to like open your book and be like, OK, this is six chapters. There's nine. You know, there I think there's 18 or 19 chapters. So they theoretically did a fairly good job of dividing it up, um, but the execution of that wasn't too great. (laughs) Um, And so right before Bilbo's about to leave and escape, everything goes shire immediately. And there's a crack that opens up in the floor. And I like how the movie has kind of like modernized the... So the creatures that we're about to see are goblins. These are goblins, which are different from the orcs, but they all kind of look the same. Straight out of Buffy's visual effects team (laughs) are all these goblins. Yeah. Um, I like how they've kind of like modernized and like humanized the goblins almost where like they have this trap that they built and like all these like mechanics and like they have a town that they've constructed um, and I think that's like very fun and it's a little bit more, um, you don't really feel like they're in too much danger when they're with the goblins because it's, there's a little bit of silliness to it and like whimsy where like it feels a little bit lighthearted, which is kind of true to the book. Um, as opposed to like, if these were the orcs, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, they'd be dead. But, um, Kind of like, I don't know, just like the silliness and and the like quirks of all of these like contraptions going on. Yeah, one of them that jumped down looked like Peter Pettigrew, you know, and it's like half, you <laughs> they know, all rat. Kind of look like Peter Pettigrew, right? yeah. It's like gross, <laughs> a little stupid, yeah. And um, this is where it's very important to note that they don't have ponies because um, they all fall into the trap. And this is where in the book, the ponies also get taken. And then Tolkien puts in this terrible note that like, oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering what happened to those ponies, goblins eat ponies and goblins are always very hungry. Um, and they'll eat most anything. And so I'm sad to say, but they never saw those ponies again. And I was like, that was not necessary. We didn't need to know. (laughs) 
fact that he ate those ponies. That's so sad and distressing. But and so- at the Goblin Montessori, they were all doing really wonderful craft projects and learning <laughs> and learning and growing creatively. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm so relieved to to announce that we do not have to watch these senseless murders <laughs> and deaths of you know over a baker's dozen ponies. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a butcher's dozen here, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're the goblins. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And so they fall into the trap, and all of these goblins swarm on, on them and start, like, moving them and, get, like, getting them to, like, walk forward and walk out of the trap and, like, capturing them and stuff. And then at one point, Bilbo kind of notices that no one's dragging him. And he... <laughs> it's such a great comedic moment um, for another like great moment for Martin Freeman, who's just amazing in this role, where he stops and like realizes that no one's paying attention to him, and then he just drops down <laughs> to the ground and curls into a ball until everyone has walked by him and he's just forgotten. <laughs> just being a little three inches shorter and just smellier, less smelly. Yeah, safe. yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and it also could be argued that it's because hobbits are theoretically supposed to be like more lucky creatures. Oh, okay. um, and that's also why Gandalf has picked a, a halfling to come on, on this adventure is because they supposedly have a little bit more luck. But yeah, no one notices him. And he curls up in a ball and waits for everyone to pass. And then he like kind of looks around and is like, well, now, now what do I kind of like now? What do I do? And he pulls out. Well, we know it to be Sting, but it's not named Sting yet. But he pulls out Sting and it's glowing blue because obviously there are goblins nearby. And it's just kind of this funny moment of like watching him like try like walk a little bit behind them. And I'm like, what are you going to do, Bilbo? (laughs) Are you going to like sneak attack or something? Like what's your (laughs) and I don't think he knows either, you know, but he doesn't have to worry long about what he's going to do because a goblin drops down and attacks him and they both fall off the side of this cliff and Bilbo is so maybe does go back to like hobbits being naturally lucky creatures because one the fall does not kill him and two um Sting is just kind of like flying around it easily could have like impaled him (laughs) so fast I mean he definitely should have died on all those rocks on his way Oh yeah, he, he like, like bounces Plinko. around. Yeah, Hobbit Plinko. <laughs> yeah, and this is exactly. The, this is the one that looked like Peter Pettigrew specifically to me. Oh, this that goblin. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll have to go back and 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 pay special attention to that one. Yeah, <laughs> we cut to the dwarves who have been rounded up, and this head goblin, the Goblin King, who actually let me look it up now and see who he's voiced by because I keep he sounds to me like if um. It's that voice actor for Disney, and it's John, I always want to say, like, Ratzenberger, but that's not his last name. But he has a very distinctive voice, and he does he always does a voice in Disney movies, or at least Pixar movies. And it sounds like this character, I swear to God, if my internet goes out again, because this tab isn't loading. Oh, no, I'll look it up the- for you. I'll look it up for you. Save your, save your bandwidth. Okay, okay, thank you. Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, it sounds like that actor, if he had been British, <laughs> so I don't think it is him. Um, but yeah, the Goblin King. It is Barry Humphreys. Okay, no clue who that is. <laughs> I'll have to go down a rabbit hole maybe and be like, do I recognize his voice from somewhere, you know? Okay, Barry Humphrey was was in Finding Nemo, 
and I don't know who he was. In Did he play Nemo. Bruce? Did he, he play Bruce? You know, he must have been Nemo? Bruce. Because that's what I I I thought of that. I was like, and he kind of, I thought of that earlier. My name is Bruce. Hello, Bruce. I do believe he's also Dame Edna, who is, uh, I think, a famous, it's a famous game show from the UK. Oh. And I think okay. a famous drag queen. Oh, I've, man okay. I've managed to talk about drag queens several times on this podcast. All right. So you there we go. Quota. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> and was this thing? yeah, so the Goblin King comes. I don't think he necessarily, I don't think, um, obviously, you know, it's a digital CGI character i don't think he necessarily looks that bad um i didn't notice any big faults where i was like yeah this looks like an animated character he's fresh fresh off of his mucinex commercial for sure yes he looks you're totally right he looks exactly like the mucinex like phlegm guy also his yeah. his neck does look like something that we would read about on our podcast yeah, so. <laughs> yeah it's really i gross. do believe i could say i think this is where i could say d's nuts <laughs> Yeah, he has this like sack of like flat, like flabby, fat skin just hanging down from his neck. It's really gross. Yeah, I did confirm that his he is the same voice actor for Bruce. Oh my god! Okay, that's that's it. That okay. explains it. Yeah, and he's a very great. He's a very grandiose character. And again, he's kind of like silly enough that you don't totally feel worried that I mean like obviously our character our main characters are in danger but you're not completely worried about them um because this guy is kind of he's very he kind of reminds me of um if anyone's ever played Breath of the Wild um Zelda Breath of the Wild there's this character who is the leader of they're called the Yiga clan and he's their leader and he's very like lazy and uh and like slow moving and he's like terrible like the boss fight you have to do against him he's like he's like really slow moving and stuff um and so he kind of reminds me and so you don't really feel like oh my god this guy's gonna kill me you know yeah. and he asked the dwarves what like what's your business here none of them say anything and he goes well if you won't talk we'll make you squawk <laughs> and then thorn's like no wait are um, you bruce do you play bruce in finding <laughs> nemo that was fantastic I do, yeah oh thank you thank you we love a good voice actor <laughs> acting <laughs> He points to a he points to one of the dwarves and is like, "We'll start with the youngest." And he points to a dwarf that I would not have thought was the youngest. I don't know who. Again, I don't know what the name of that dwarf is, <laughs> but uh, I Larf. wouldn't have thought that one was the youngest. And that's when Thorin speaks up, and then he's like, and then. Uh, the Goblin King recognizes him or somehow he says his name and he's like, I'm the king under the, oh, the king under the mountain, but you have no mountain. And I'm like, that's a sick burn because it's, it's very based in truth. And it's also very hurtful. Like you can see, you can see the pain on Thorin's face, but I'm also not particularly attached to Thorin, nor do I like care about him necessarily. So I'm like, you know what? No, you deserve that. And then he says, yeah, there's a price there's a price on your head, but just the head. Um, the pale orc, perhaps you know him, a Azog. That's when Thorin, who up until now thought Azog had died in that battle. He finds out that he is still alive, um, which inexplicably Gandalf and Balin during that conversation earlier, they exchanged a look when Thorin was like, oh, but he died of his wounds. And Gandalf and Balin are like, oh. Are you going to tell him or, or am I going to tell him who's going to tell him? And I'm like, how do they know? But Thorin doesn't. And then I don't think it's ever touched on again. <laughs> Maybe somebody <laughs> could the, tell him. 
<laughs> like why they did that. So he finds out that Azog is still alive. The Goblin King tells a gob- another goblin to like go send word. And this goblin flies off on a zip line somewhere, which again is very fun, like whimsical. And that is where this segment of the movie ends for our portion of the discussion. And we're going to wrap up this episode. And again, our recording went long. <laughs> I try my best. And then things like the internet going out happens. It was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Danny, thank you so much. You did great. You were worried, but you did great. It was a great time talking to you. Like Bilbo, <laughs> you gave me courage. Thank you. Thank you for uh, <laughs> for encouraging me. And it just made me, it was so exciting to dive back in and just, you know, to, to dip my toes into the fandom. So hopefully we will get to read some foreign um, on oh, fandasm. Or see, you know, what, um, maybe we could convince you that Gandalf and Galadriel uh, should should be a ship of dreams. Ship, I actually I don't... think I'm into it. You're pretty against it. But, <laughs> like, of all the characters, they're the feels least. Like you're, it just feels like your mom and dad for That's, me. Yeah. It well, feels kind of like your mom and dad. We did read a story of uh, McGonagall and Ollivander in the 70s. And there was a shag carpet. So we don't need to. <laughs> You don't need a to read them carpet. now. Yeah, there's a fireplace. It's oh, wonderful. So <laughs> you can write about them at any age. So we could get them maybe a little earlier. In the, yeah, uh, but they both are like ancient people who are like, you'd have to write it like a thousand years in the past to have it be. It's like, oh, we're young and youthful again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they do like a little, they could do just like a little Botox spell and uh, get that. Youth. Poof, we're young again. Yeah, except Poof. for Galad- but Galadriel never ages. She always looks amazing. Whatever. It's the, mag- it's the magic of fanfic is you can write about whatever and however yeah. you want. And you know, I really, I'm wondering if I should, af- you know, after I've covered kind of some of the main stuff, if I should do a couple fan fiction episodes. I don't know. Listeners, let me know if you think I should cover fan fiction in the future. And in which case, I'll definitely have you guys on and we can, it'll just be an explicit episode. <laughs> and when we, and when we go into, uh, what, what, what do you call Tolkien's land? Middle. Middle Earth. That's right. When you go to, I almost, I started to say it before you said it, but you also confirmed it. When, when we go to Middle Earth, uh, we'll hope maybe we can have you on and you can help uh, help guide us through it. Through, through the fan fiction, yeah. Please. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm interested and also scared, you know? Curious, but scared. Buckle up. <laughs> well, Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Um, what would you like to plug and share with our audience? I think that by the time this comes out, we will just be coming out with season 19, which is really exciting. So um, on Fangasm, we read uh, uh, author-approved stories that other authors write fanfic. And um, so this one for season 19, we're reading a, another story from the Marvel Universe. Um, I believe all of the characters are on a yacht for um, somebody's birthday. So uh, you don't need to love and know everything about Marvel to enjoy, uh, to have a good time. And we have a bunch of other fandoms and seasons, a lot of Harry Potter, if that's what you're into. Uh, so check us out on Fangasm. Well, we're Fangasm everywhere, fangasmpodcast.com, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome, awesome. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org, where you will find all of our shows like Curly Critics. Hi, I'm Curly, and she's Critic, and we're the- No, wait, our introduction goes like this. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics, and we review pop culture every week. Check us out as we review New Girl. The Narnia movies. And coming very soon, Harry Potter.
New episodes out every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts or on WBNE.org. And don't forget, beavers aren't real. The cover art is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod or following the link in the episode description. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at pod, and you can also join the Facebook group, which is linked in the episode description. You can follow me on Twitter at mcwhatsup and Instagram at mcturndownforwhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash pod to explore the different tiers and perks that are available. You can join the $3 tier and be a part of our WBE Discord server, which is a very wonderful place to be. Um, or you can become a sponsor like Arena. Am I saying your name correctly? Irina? Arena? Irina. I said your name multiple times because that's how much I appreciate your support that many times. Times five. However many times I just said your name. I'm going to pull back the curtain here. I'm delirious. It is 1246 a.m. the day that this episode comes out that I am recording this because... Things happen. Anyway, Arena, your support is amazing, and I enjoy having you in the Discord server. Like I just mentioned, listeners, the Discord server is a wonderful place to be. And Arena is one of those people who absolutely loves the Hobbit movies, and I love seeing that positivity radiate from you in the Discord server regarding these movies. And thank you so much for becoming a patron of That's What I'm Talking About. Another reminder to take the listener survey. If you haven't already, I'll stop bugging you about that pretty soon, but please make sure to take it. Even if you already took it last year, I want to hear whatever new thoughts you might have. And lastly, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review. I really uh, love having reviews, especially because I'm currently the lowest rated WB&E show. That's right, listeners. I'm at a whopping 4.6 on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. So let's bring that up to a 4.7 or an 8, you know, and please rate and review. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yes. Uh, My parting words for the audience is that uh, enjoy, enjoy this. Enjoy the movies. Enjoy the books. I know it may not always be what you want, um, but I think it is still quite special. And if there's you're not getting what you want from the books, the movies, go over and read some fanfic because there are some incredibly talented authors um, who write fan fiction. That's not all erotic. Uh, in fact, many is not erotic. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah most fan fiction is not erotic. Yeah. Most, 100% of what I know is, but I know that there's more out there. So if you're looking for, you know, other things to read about, please check out and support those fanfic writers. And if you have ideas of your own, just start just start putting quill to paper and, and make it yourself because there's people who are reading it. And that's what I'm talking about. You know who this uh, podcast is not sponsored by? Xfinity. Xfinity.